Hi guys, happy Friday. Being the last recording of the year at the Dignity Show, today we have decided to break down the show into two parts. The first part, we're going to be talking about Google and Telegram system outage, Nokia's first laptop, uh, Facebook move to monetize WhatsApp, we shall talk about Nigerians Communication Commission deciding to switch off unregistered SIM cards by end of the year. In the second part, we're going to talk about the key highlights of tech in 2020. Welcome to the Dignited Show. I am your host Solomon Vot. And joining me is David Quinn. So, David, uh, I want I want us to start with uh, 2020 send, is ending, and then it looks like so many things are not. Uh, wonders are not wonders are not getting done. Uh, I think was it across this at the beginning of the week, Google had a system outage. Uh, Google, uh, according to them, they said they experienced an authentication system outage for approximately 45 minutes due to internal storage quarter yeah. issues. Um, I Hello? Yes, yes, go on. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah, so uh, David, the, um, I'm quite, I've been seeing memes on Twitter saying even Google experience uh, this, uh, storage, they have storage issues. Uh, you remember quite lately also we have been receiving tons of emails about what system policy is changing next year, mostly about uh, Google Photos. Mm -hmm. Uh, anything to, to add on this? Does it mean Google are running out of storage systems guys are making memes about? Uh, first, help me make sense of this. <laughs> yeah, the memes are just for fun, uh, literally. Uh, obviously, yes, uh, what caused the issue, the outage was uh, certain services, specifically the authentication services, uh, run out of uh, storage space. Uh, so it was sort of more of a configuration error mm. uh, or bug uh, rather than the fact that Google as a whole ran out of uh, storage space. Um, so, yeah, interesting to just know that even the big guns like Google can go offline. And even more interesting is how we are heavily dependent on uh, uh, Google services. I mean, it was only offline for about... Uh, uh, maybe three hours or so, mm. uh, but it caused quite some havoc. People literally just went home because they couldn't work. They couldn't collaborate on Google Docs. They couldn't send emails. Uh, you mm. couldn't watch any YouTube videos. Uh, <clears throat> their whole productivity suit was down. So people just called it quits and just um, you know decided to call it a day. So that's how interesting it really is. Exactly. Also, the people with yeah. it's called Google Nest smart homes. Uh, people are like, "Wow, this this might be this this is showing us how scary the future might be," because everything now is, yeah. is on, on on the Google Nest speaker, and all of a sudden nothing was working. So imagine a scenario where, for example, you have your smart home uh, all set up on Google's ecosystem. You know, the Google Home app. Your lights out configuring the uh, Google Home app and the time that are supposed to go online, they can't get online because uh, Google services are down. 
So that that is quite a, an apocalyptic scenario right there for you, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's not really that bad, but gets to show you that if we keep on uh, being heavily invested into these systems, then uh, in the event of an outage or a big problem like this, then our lives could actually come to a stand at a certain point. Yeah. Yep. So uh, also in the same spirit, carry on. Uh, Telegram also had an outage this week, uh, two days ago, actually, on the 16th. Uh, that is that is Wednesday. So the the down detector okay. uh, the down detector stats shows that about sixty six percent of the complaints related to problems uh, with the server connection. So thirty percent of reports are like highlighted people were not able to send or receive messages, and then three percent said they had complaints of logging into the app. I I, I was quite quite surprised that you didn't notice because actually one by the time when the outage was happening. Mm. I wanted to I wanted to send a message on Telegram saying, "Man, guys, can you see this?" But I thought, like, okay, because uh, on Telegram's Twitter account, they say people across Europe and uh, and Asia that the one, they were the ones mostly affected by it. So I yeah. I thought maybe okay, Africa maybe we are okay, but me as me, I wasn't seeing messages. Uh, whenever I would go to to our Telegram channel, just shows connecting, you know, like. Mm. Like I'm not connected to, to the service or that because Telegram is always open on my on my machine. Eh? I think that's quite the reason why I my message didn't go and I had to delete it anyway. And but then this year, this year we we noticed a lot of of system uh, outage. It was well, rampant actually among the tech giants because Facebook ads. A little stuff like that, Messenger, Instagram, almost all the big boys uh, suffered in a way or two. Yeah. Almost everyone. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, the Telegram outage is absolutely great. I had not yet, I don't know, completely. Mm. I was still able to communicate uh, on Telegram and um, you know, get get uh, news from the channels I'm subscribed to and everything. I think absolutely didn't find any issue however with a telegram outage. Uh, yeah. but yeah, twenty twenty being twenty twenty, it, it had to be does best. <clears throat> okay, so uh, so David, let's carry on to WhatsApp new uh, Facebook uh, Mark Zuckerberg say there's a new news coming from WhatsApp. So WhatsApp has had it cut feature to facilitate is online shopping. I don't know, uh, me, I'm totally against this new, the shopping cut feature on WhatsApp. I don't want people to, I don't want Facebook mm. or Mac to turn WhatsApp into, because all in all, this year the end game is saying, Mark Zuckerberg is trying to figure out how to monetize WhatsApp. Maybe it's okay. too much in his, into his book and it's like, okay, how can I crack this code of, to make money on, on WhatsApp. So they, they have introduced yeah. a new shopping cart feature that allows you to order multiple items with a single message from mm. business on the service. So yeah. shopping, my, I, I, I don't quite, I can't quite wrap my head on this. You, you help me make sense of this as well. Um, yeah, but actually you already said it. Uh, the fact that uh, how many years down the road since, uh, you know, 
uh, Facebook, both WhatsApp, maybe, I don't know, maybe six years down the road, and the, the app which was big for 19 billion, but not yet making money. So uh, Facebook is, uh, uh, Facebook, I think, is absolutely uh, on pressure from stakeholders to, you know, turn some bucks on, on WhatsApp. And I think that direction is, and we turn this into an e-commerce sort of uh, fintech kind of platform. And that's the direction that WhatsApp is, is taking, right? Obviously, ads on the platform that don't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. And I think that that direction is now, can we turn this into a fully-fledged uh, e-commerce platform and then probably charge uh, businesses of the transaction and integrate payments into it, which it's already doing in India. Yep. And I think uh, they attempted to do the same in Brazil, but they were blocked. Mm. And basically, just make money off each transaction that happens. I mean, you have uh, over a billion users on WhatsApp as you speak, so you have to find a way somehow of monetizing those users. And I think that's the pressure. The pressure is mounting. Uh, my personal opinion about uh, WhatsApp adding cuts, I think a lot of transactions, especially the small businesses, are happening on WhatsApp, right? Yeah, definitely. Haven't Hey, I have made orders. I've talked to business. It's almost like WhatsApp has become a go-to messaging app whenever you're trying to talk to someone or even businesses. Exactly. Exactly. Even my, my customers on a Duka store, they are going to inbox you. There's this thing inbox prices. <laughs> you know? Yes, inbox yes. for price. Yes, so inbox people inbox you prices and then start bargaining and all that stuff. And a lot of transactions are happening on WhatsApp and Facebook is taking that. And they want to make that experience more fun, hopefully, uh, for small businesses and hopefully make uh, some kind of it. Yeah, they, they should. So they have see how, how we do it. I've tried this up for business myself. I'm not really impressed with that. I think it comes um, it's not very easy to do. Like importing my products onto the platform is absolutely a manual process. It's not talk or inventory management built into that thing. It's follow up, all that. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's still uh, work in progress. Work in progress for the team. Uh, the new features. Yeah. Definitely, still work in progress. So, David, like carrying on, uh, we yeah. have a news coming here saying, uh, Nokia has unveiled their first laptop ever. The laptop is called Nokia PureBook X14. So, it looks like uh, the yeah. Finnish company is trying to make a comeback and diversifying their their portfolio from smartphones to 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 to, to laptops here. Because, but uh, so looking at the specs of the laptop, the laptop is uh, a 14 inch, uh, powered by okay. the 10th gen Core i5 Intel processor, and then okay. it has 8 GB of DDR4 RAM, and then 512 okay. GB of uh, SSD storage. So this one's here are uh, mm. decent specs. Looking at the processor speed is 4.2 gigahertz. 
Damn, these these are some really really uh, decent specs for a laptop. And then uh, mm. starts it was launched in India, and it's retailing at eight hundred and fifteen dollars. Uh, in Kenyan shilling, wow. that is that is about ninety one thousand Kenyan shillings. Ugandan shilling okay. is about eight hundred fifteen. About it's close to it's close to it's like two point five million almost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then if it starts to make sense when you you change it to to Uganda shilling. So two point five for a laptop is it something you would for a brand that has not been yet tested and proven like the HPs, like Lenovo here, because me lately I use a Lenovo X1 Carbon. Uh, mm. Would you would you invest that kind of money on on an, on Nokia on Nokia's first laptop? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I usually don't for my laptops. I don't spend more than uh, $500 dollars, mm. and yet I still get quite decent uh, specs. Like for example, the laptop that I have is uh, an ASUS uh, VivoBook. Okay. Uh, with a eight-core i5 uh, Intel processor, and it's quite a capable laptop. It's really good, and I got it at six hundred dollars on Amazon. And specs are not really far away from what I'm seeing uh, Nokia here post, mm. except that this is a tenth-gen processor. And it has SSD storage and all, probably the newer connectivity options I'm seeing, which is 5.1. You have a USB as well, USB Type C, I think, for charging in there and all that. Uh, I think that the laptop space is uh, highly saturated. I don't know what their strategy is. Laptop is running Windows, Windows 10. A lot of laptops that are running Windows 10. Uh, mm. from uh, HP, Asus, Acer, Dell, and Dell. so forth. So I don't really see where this particular device fits in the market, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't really see their strategy. Who are they targeting? I don't see the target audience here because it is not really a high-end laptop and it's not really, you know, a mid-range laptop. Right. Oh, a niche market it's also. A device that is, uh, I think Nokia is just trying to uh, test the waters and see if something sticks. They, they, they are not even going after gamers. I thought they, they might go the niche market direction and just release, let's say. Well, that made sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so uh, David, uh, we we have a new news coming here from Vivo. So Vivo, okay. they have confirmed they'll be launching uh, the, their premium smartphone called the Vivo V20 is is their top of the line flagship of this year. So it's mm. going to launch in Kenya this month, the month of December, and looks like everyone is is excited about it. So the Vivo right. V20 has uh, the, it has a, a triple camera uh, back setup. The camera comes with their primary camera is 64 MPs actually, uh, and then okay. with a, a, a eight megapixel depth sensor and then a two super night mode on the main lens as well. 
So, but I, I need I need to I need to quite. Uh, but I think you have always been vocal about about uh, transition saturating the African market. But it looks like it looks like all the Europeans and the other Chinese brands are waking up. Not Chinese actually, Europeans and American brands are waking up and saying, okay, maybe we have been ignoring Africa for so long. Maybe there's something here. Mm. So we we have seen Vivo, we have seen uh, Samsung even uh, up in, opening their opening their it's called uh, you you buy devices uh, on using uh, on credit from them. You get a device and then you pay in small quantities. So all these new things are coming in into the African market, most especially Sub-Saharan. Maybe it's time people have really noticed. Okay. We we need to to pay attention to to consumers here because uh, their uh, excuse were like you Africans or don't spend on devices, but now we have seen mm. mid range devices being launched left right and centered from vivos to whatever say what not. Uh, so kindly kindly uh, uh, say why or two on that for me. All right. Um, so definitely Vivo is, uh, trying to eat Transion's lunch money. That's, uh, that's for a fact. Uh, Transion has dominated the market for a long time with Samsung coming in second place, Nokia tailing behind. And, uh, I mean, there is still more space for newcomers onto the market. Uh, Africa is our first continent, so you can expect that a lot of people are continuously going to be buying uh, smartphones. And so Vivo coming in with uh, a device here that is, I think, more pronounced on the department, yeah. will be targeting basically your uh, mid-range to high-end users, people who are looking for a smartphone that has slightly uh, better specs mm. and uh, that doesn't really cost that much. So this is what we are seeing, uh, really. Exactly. But okay, this, this um, device is... So yeah, I think they are launching it in Kenya. Vivo is in Kenya. They are not yet uh, widespread across the continent. Mm. And uh, yeah, let's let's see what happens there. Okay, so let let me recap for you the specs of Vivo V20. It's really decent. Comes with Android how 11. How much is it? The the rumors rumors we, we I still can't confirm the rumors right now, but it looks like it might not be so. Might be in the range of. Let me see the price. Just one moment. But then, uh, the, the via storage, yes, about three hundred dollars. It's about eight hundred dollars, right? Eight three hundred dollars. About three hundred dollars, because now I'm seeing in India is twenty five thousand twenty five thousand rupees. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about that. About one point two million. Just about three hundred dollars. Okay, but then so that if you compare to transition devices. We are looking at, at the new, the latest Infinix, the Note 8i, and then the Note, is it? Yeah, it's, it's the Note 8i. It's, it's within that range, but then it 
comes with some new flavors because now this one is shipping with 111 out of the box and i don't think any traction device uh, has 111 yet in any device released this year and then looking at storage uh, it starts their base specs is 128 gb uh, of storage and then mm. 256 uh, the the size is, is amoled screen 6.5 6.44 inches which which is really right. decent i would i would definitely spend money on this over infinix over infinix note uh note 8i and mm. also has fast charging 33 watts 4000 million power battery and then under display fingerprint scanner for you to open the sensor oh. not on the on the okay. sides uh definitely usb type c Almost all, all, all the fancy specs you see on IM phones, all packed here on the Vivo B20. Yeah, I, I think like that. I would be replenishing the Technos and Infinix. Is why are they still shipping with Sports in 2020? That's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, the they... moving on to USB Type C, uh, which is proven across electronics, and you still have Truncheon and uh, Technos shipping right with um, a micro USB port. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think uh, next year. So, uh, mm. I agree with you. I think I would spend my money on the Vivo because it has the specs that you'll expect in a 23D device. You have a USB Type C uh, scanner, uh, really great cameras in there, uh, really fantastic AMOLED display, and you know, a good screen to body ratio. It's It's amazing, it's great. And right. it's at least done, right? There is, uh, you can see that uh, you're buying a device that is up to the time, it's not something that is dated. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then it comes with 8GB of RAM, so should get the work done for you. Yes, go on. Yes, so uh, David, to wrap up uh, the key news of this week, we have the section of the news happening. So the, the Nigerian Communication Commissions have given have given telecom telecom companies in Nigeria 14 days mm. to block SIM cards registered without national ID number. So it looks like okay. uh, Nigerian government has caught up with the wave uh, down here in Uganda about two three years ago. Uh, UCC mm. came here and blocked all SIM cards which were unregistered which are not registered using NIM. So maybe it's 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 a new wave, uh, could be, it's a new wave happening across Sub-Sahara. Uh, the governments are like, okay, we need to tie down people to their SIM cards. Uh, maybe it's something to introduce, to, to, to get people to be more, what would I say, more, more attached, okay, to be more conscious in, in using their phones to because, uh, according to government, they're saying this thing will help cut down uh, uh, scammers on people who call you using their phones to scam you or sending in death, the death threats and all that using the phone. Eh? Yeah, so Nigeria has yeah. joined us, uh, that is riding the wave. I'm seeing people are making to a lot of noise on. On Twitter, 
So according to the submission by the Nigerian government, it starts on December 16th, which is two days ago, and ends on 30th December. So next year, after the late deadline, all SIM cards will be blocked from the network. So um, mm. the, they, tell me about this. Is Nigeria just, okay, is, because uh, like I told you, I have been reading reports here on some site called privacyinternational.org. So it looks like this okay. mass biometric database we are seeing here in Africa is mostly being funded by European unions, eh? uh, or not necessarily European Union, but uh, corporations from abroad. Because this this is an agenda. Like for Uganda here, it was funded, I, I think, by USAID, uh, that NIRA mm. projects funded by by USAID. So if you, at the end of the day you look at it, this is a foreign funded project. Uh, so maybe they have their agenda on at the back of the, uh, they have their agenda at, at the end of the day. But then uh, this report from Privacy International, they're saying uh, European security companies are using these uh, biometric identity, identity systems in response to migration and then they're saying it highlights urgent concerns because now uh, if all your databases, whatever you have collected here, is on a secure server somewhere in, in France or whatever. So, uh, and then uh, at the end of the day, all these ones go there without your consent, okay? You, you just, all you know is, all you know is uh, I've gone to my village or constituency, wherever you go, registered for a national ID and uh, reports are coming here saying, okay, all these databases that I've collected is somewhere safe. So that uh, let's say you find yourself lost in, because there's the thing of, in West Africa, it's common for Africans to, to call immigration, guys to go to a boat looking for greener pastures. And then brings in the issue of the people not being documented, going there legally. So they're using all that to deport back people to where they are. So is this a new wave you're seeing across sub-Saharan Africa, like sponsors are pulling the plug behind the scenes saying, man, you guys tie these people to their SIM cards as soon as possible. Because we know the psychology here in Uganda almost, uh, people complain at first, but then at the end of the day, you, hmm. you have to go and register your card with your national ID number, whether you like it or you don't. Uh, and then 10 years down the line to be like, uh, people will get used to it. Is, is this like someone pulling, pulling the, pulling strings behind the backs, trying to condition us in a different direction or what? With all this, I know I've thrown so many uh, points out there which are unrelated, but help me make sense of this Nigerian com communication commission, the Niger MCC ordering telecom to switch off all SIM cards. Uh, I think it has it has a good intention. Eventually, um, it's the customers, the citizens that uh, are win, as long as there are policies and laws that protecting people's data. I think that's where the major concern is, because um, <clears throat> smartphones are a big deal, mobile is a big deal, and almost everyone has a smartphone and a mobile number, which is unique. And if you tied it to uh, their national ID, which is a way of verifying the person who owns that particular phone number is an actual person in the world, 
as legitimate, then that becomes some sort of identification system, a digital identification system, which can then be utilized for services, for fintech, finance, uh, and uh, other government uh, services, which is a good thing at the end of the day, it's sort of like a national social security number of sorts uh, mm. for Africa. And it's, it's good. Uh, the only concern is uh, the protection of that data. If data is protected and probably, hopefully, stored in uh, the countries of origin, uh, then uh, the citizens are at risk. Uh, there is a uh, danger of this uh, data being misused by uh, either authoritarian, authoritarian governments. The government could start targeting dissidents or you know political criminals and so forth. Mm. And uh, it, you know it becomes a bad thing at the end of the day. You know if the government starts to use it as a surveillance tool to trap people that um, is dangerous. You know. Uh, or, you know, criminals could just start hacking into the system and basically, you know, uh, begin to threaten people, whatever kind of thing. So I think that if that we have very strong um, data protection laws uh, that protect uh, this data and basically guarantees citizens that this information their private information is not going to be misused, then by and large, I think uh, the benefits of uh, uh, this SIM card verification system outweigh the, uh, um, the bad side. Outweigh the what? The benefits outweigh the costs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, exactly, man. Uh, it looks like people, the hearts are in the right place. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, David, let's let's uh, go on to the second uh, part of our show today. We we are going to be shining just a few top lights on a few highlights on all the key moments of the year. So, uh, in take in uh, key moments of key highlights of the year. So, uh, starting off, we are starting with Hapo. What let's just give me an first an overview of the five key moments of of Apple or the biggest highlights of Apple this year, according to you. Ah well, off the top of my head is obviously the iPhone 12. Mm. Uh actually this year has been big for Apple. I think it's probably been their biggest year in five years or so. Starting with the iPhone 12, the first iPhone with 5G. Mm. Uh, so 5G has been hyped up technology this year, uh, not even this year, it's been hyped for probably three years and this year it culminated in the release of the iPhone among um, uh, big flagships uh, like the Samsung Galaxy S20, uh, you know, the Pixel 5 and all these other devices. Uh, but the fact that it's the first iPhone 5G is landmark in uh, iPhone history. Yep. Um, but I've read reports online, people really complaining that 5G hasn't really lived up to its expectations. Uh, in some cases, uh, 4G is actually faster than 5G. <laughs> uh, in some states in the US. Uh, so, yeah, 
the benefit will be realized in maybe the next two years. But at least the groundwork has been laid. A lot of people are going to buy the iPhone 12 and um, uh, make use of the 5G network, or at least force the networks to start optimizing the network uh, for serious 5G outputs. So that's one thing. The second big thing from Apple is the release of the uh, uh, MacBooks with the M1 chip. Or yep. Apple Silicon. So Apple Silicon is a new uh, processor from Apple, uh, Apple's own design shop that is different uh, from using, which is the Intel processors. Mm. Uh, now this processor uh, has had a lot of positive reviews from reviewers online. A lot of people have been amazed by the output and the performance of the M1 chip. Uh, Basically, processors increased. You also have app convergence across the uh, Apple ecosystem. So you have iPad and iPhone apps that can be installed and used on the Big Macs uh, on uh, you know Apple's uh, desktop operating system. So uh, that has also been quite a landmark event in uh, Apple's history. It also happened this year. Uh, I think the most ridiculous thing from Apple this year has been uh, the AirPods Pro. They are headphones that are costing about $500. <laughs> uh, quite a lot of people have ridiculed it. People are saying they are overpriced. It's a luxury product. It's not really um, worth your money because the next competitor to it is a Sony headphone, which is about $250 or so. So really, um, that's what you have from uh, Apple uh, camp, as well as uh, I think uh, what I left out was the iOS, iOS 14, mm. uh, which is uh, a major upgrade in uh, the uh, iPhone mobile operating system. So yeah, briefly, that's, that's what I can say. How about the update uh, to wrap up today's session? We, we are going to, to shine a light on some of the key market exits for our fintech startup startup across Africa. Uh, 2020, whatever it has brought for us, we had some hub sites as well for our fintech guys in the space. We, oh, what was it? Wave? Was it WaveSend being acquired by World Remit? We had uh, the Nigerian... Mm. Uh, the Nigerian startup being acquired by others, uh, um, uh, Paystack acquired by yeah, uh, Paystack, Paystack. By, Stripe. by Stripe, exactly. Paystack being acquired by Stripe. So, uh, you you help me wrap this up for me with uh, uh, what we should be like your predictions for for next year 2021. Are you going? Do you think we're going to be seeing more of this market? Not necessarily market exits. And, and uh, oh, but then new development in the fintech uh, startups startup space next year. Would you would you do you think next year will still be a big year for fintech in Africa? Uh, certainly, uh, without a doubt, fintech has been garnering quite a bit of steam over the past five years or so, mm. and, and then, I I believe that steam. Uh, 
slowing down anytime soon uh, because uh, a lot of it's a huge market a lot of people have been banked you know like in Uganda you have only five percent of the population using traditional banking systems and over 95 percent of the population is of the formal financial structure so fintech is obviously bringing a lot of people into uh, the uh, financial uh, industry, what what call uh, financial inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a huge opportunity. It's a big market uh, that has a long way to go. So the steam is going to continue garnering. Uh, it's just now it's really just innovating uh, what the market uh, needs or what the market wants. What I'm currently seeing is a lot of techs popping up doing the same thing and not really doing anything new. And that's a problem. So then you could uh, potentially end up in a situation where the uh, uh, the steam that has been generating for years sort of stalls uh, and, and stagnates because everyone is copying what everyone else is doing. And I think <laughs> that's one of the criticisms that I have for fintech. But you have people coming up, innovating new stuff and listening to the market, uh, discovering new opportunities, filling in gaps in the market. Then the pain is only going to keep uh, gathering momentum over the years. Yep, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. okay. So now, um, as a recap, there's one thing we forgot to say, you know, cheaper cash has also managed yes. to raise $30 million. Uh, I think that was their, is it Series A or Series B funding? And then as icing on the cake, it has been backed up by Jeff Bezos. So Jeff Bezos is, is a big muscle when, when it comes to internet economy. So if they are backing up your, your company, it really sends positive message, okay? Uh, sorry, I didn't get that. Who is no. uh, backing up? Yes, uh, the cheaper cash, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, the $30 million, uh, or the, the funding was backed up by, by Jeff Bezos, which, which I'm saying uh, it shows positive message uh, to, to you as a company and then to the credibility of, of the ecosystem as well. It makes people to pay attention yeah, sure. to it at, at the end of the day. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, then David, before we before we kick it, before we call it a day, uh, quick one. Do you think there's there's this all there's also this notion of of pay stack, let's say in the case of pay stack, or African startups are exiting too early. Do you think this two hundred million dollar acquisition by Stripe uh, was it too early for pay stack, or it was just the right time? Uh, it's hard to say because I don't know much about Paystack. Uh, the startup that, that I've been using for a long time is Pathway, so I could uh, con- I could I could say something about Pathway because I use it. Um, Paystack is not in Uganda, and it's mostly big in Nigeria. I don't know about their ambitions across Africa, mm. um, but. Um, uh, it's really, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. 
uh, I really hope they use this acquisition to propel themselves across the continent and also Europe and to they bring in interesting uh, features and services that, that uh, you know, uh, consumers. I think from uh, what it's a B2B uh, service. Yep. Uh, but yet you have Flutterwave, which has a B2B arm as well as a B2C uh, consumer-facing app, which is really better. And I've used both. So um, really hoping that uh, they basically just use uh, this acquisition to extend their tentacles across the continent. And then we can probably see uh, what they have in stock. Uh, what I know is um, <clears throat> they've been doing something close to Shopify, platform of sorts mm. uh, that ties in or integrates uh, quite the uh, payments, right? Um, so the same thing that you had with, uh, I think, PayPal and eBay. Yes, so on yes. one end, you have uh, payment processing uh, company, and then at the end, you have a product that is doing e-commerce to small businesses. So it uh, creates an end-to-end kind of uh, integration, which is a good experience for our users. So I think that's what the area. And um, hopefully over the, over the next years, they will be expanding that same magic across the continent. And then we will come to know what they really have to offer. But for now, um, I'm not quite confident yet. Okay. Uh, so David, thank you for uh, today's recording. And if you have been listening, thank you for tuning in for, I actually need to say thanks for all our listeners out there. It has been a, a really uh, fruitful journey this year. So I hope you guys keep listening even next year. Uh, David, any, any word for our listeners out there for our last, last episode of the year? Uh, yeah, I think um, I can only say stay safe. Uh, 2020 has been, <laughs> it has been a, a year with, uh, it has been unprecedented year, really. So, being such should really just be to make it alive. So, stay safe, wear masks, uh, sanitize, and, uh, you know, try to make it, try to, try to stay alive, definitely. Yep, and, especially uh, yeah, in this case. So, guys, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, enjoy your uh, festive season. Catch you guys next year. <laughs>